everyone, and welcome to episode 680 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are we doing today, Joe? Uh, feeling different, Todd. Feeling I feel different. Like, I feel like we just did this podcast yesterday. <laughs> Honestly. We did, but we didn't. Um, it's going to be one of those things where this is, you know, so as we mentioned, uh, I'm on vacation currently, but we wanted to have something new. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have my interview with Cardiff Electric, which is going to follow this, right? Carmen Electra? No, not Carmen Electra. Cardiff, <laughs> Cardiff Electric. Um, oh, okay. The host of the most famous podcast in the world today. Fair enough. Um, so again, that's something for me. That's going to go up on the other feeds and everything else like that. But I wanted like as much of a regular show as we possibly can mm-hmm. with having a day to record. Right. So again, it's going to kind of be out of date, but uh, the major chunks are going to be here, you know? Right. And we're going to keep certain things that are, that we need to have done each week done. So yeah, that's really yeah. where it comes into. And you know, whatever if it, it scratches that itch as you kids say for one, right. Week, you know, right. But uh, would you like to know what we're going to talk about though? <laughs> yes, I would. Um, it was, it's a slender read of a nude se- news <laughs> section, but, uh, it's basically, um, kids meals. We'll get into that. Um, uh, con news, uh, what we read last week, which was, uh, oh, I'm sorry. And the Rob watch that always throws me off. There's so much Rob watch that I'm off my game. Um, what we read last week, which was Superior Spider-Man Returns, number one, and Wesley Dodd Sandman, number one. What we're looking forward to this week Todd and Joe have issues where we re- where we're rereading Sandman, and since we're out of the the main issues, we're on to all the other stuff. And now it's Sandman and Midnight Theater, which is the crossover between Wesley Dodds and Sandman. And finally, at the end of the show, spoiler filled talk of the first episode of Loki because I watched it. Yes, yes. All right, full show, Joe. All right. Uh, so Todd pointed out to me, um, and this goes against my ban on Wendy's, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not the, not to say the fact that we don't pass two in my travels and, uh, my kid wants to keep, uh, cause they have a, I guess they have a pumpkin spice frosty now. Don't put my, don't make me put your kid on a list. Oh, he doesn't want it. He's like, oh, you should take a picture of that and send it to, and he has to get out a list of, uh, which alias this person is using this week, you know? Fair enough. Then your kid's okay in my book. <laughs> no, he don't want it. He knows better. Yeah. And then my wife this week, she went to the store because she's been dr- drinking coffee again. And mm. she went and got herself some pumpkin spice creamer. Uh-oh. And she's part of the problem now. But anyway. What, does she want to flush your system? <laughs> Is that- exactly. Um, but Todd pointed out to me uh, that he was shocked to learn that not only was Wendy still in business. <laughs> right. Not only does Wendy's have kids meals. What? But they also have DC Universe kids meals. Right. Um, so it is a set of six different, um, three little figures and they're kind of like those rubber figures, um, like the old muscle figures, kind of like the stuff, like, uh, Rick Williams does them over on the chop shop as well. Right. 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 Uh, but these are very much looking like the, the closest, like they don't match up with anything current that DC's putting out. Mm hmm. So at least like the art on the cards for them, the closest I could say that it looks like is like the old Batman Brave and the Bold cartoon. Okay, fair enough. 
And I know, um, and I, he gets a mention of the. He's been getting mentioned on the show more often than not. But my friend Andy had tweeted out about this because he's a fast food guy as well. These have been available. Like it's still up on Wendy's website as of today. But mm-hmm. these have been available at Wendy's since the beginning of September. Oh, I just found out because they came. They they. I was scrolling through Facebook for something. Yeah, and because I followed DC on facebook that they had a little video for it and that's what made me i was like oh oh, this must be brand 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 new but it's not no it's not um so again it's been around for a while and the thing is they're in things of three right um and you know they try to be as thematic as possible like you got one is batman catwoman and nightwing another one it's superman supergirl and lex luthor uh, it's another one where it's Black Manta, uh, Aquaman, and Mara. And then you have, like, Nubia, Sinestro, and then one of the female Green Lanterns? Right. She was uh, Power Ring before she became Green Lantern. Okay. And then you have Cheetah, the Flat, or, I'm sorry, Wonder Woman, Cheetah, and Cyborg. And okay. then you have Flash, Gorilla Grodd, and Batgirl. Right. Now, the only other thing with these is they come in different colors, like your main primary colors. Um, you know, you got a blue, a red, a purple, a green, and like those are your colors. So there's random assortments of whatever it is. And the only reason I haven't gone and hunted these out, because you can go get them on eBay, right? Mm-hmm. You can go get like a full box of them on eBay, or you can get them loose for as little as like five bucks a clip, right? Right, and the other thing is they're blind bog. You don't know what's in what you're getting. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it looks like if you, like, it's always going to be those, you don't know which of the three you're getting. Right, you don't know what color you're going to get. And you don't either. know what color of the three that you're getting either, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so all of that being said, I'm sad that they there's no yellow, because if there was a yellow, I'd be hunting down that yellow Sinestro forever. Right. Right. Uh, and I don't, I like all this stuff. Cause I, I said, and we we're talking and I didn't know it was blind box until you came, came back to me in the email. And yeah. I'm like, Nope, Nope. That is my, one of my huge pet peeves. I will never spend money on a thing that might not be the thing that I want. I like to gamble, but not when I'm buying things, when I'm buying things, I want the thing that I want to buy. I don't know. Call me crazy, Joe. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, um, when Asa was younger, we'd do more blind box things. And Did you do a blind box thing in Baltimore? Yeah. Well, okay. So, we bought a case of them. Mm-hmm. So, with the case, like, we knew what the breakdown of it was. Like, there was, and again, the, the math, it was the Mega Man. The math of it was, there's 10 pieces and there's 24 blind boxes, okay? Right, right. You're guaranteed two of these certain ones, and you're guaranteed one of them. So if you get that whole case, you're going to have the full set of 10 plus and eight extras. doubles. Right. Which I'm, that, Joe, buying with that, I'm fine, because I'm getting the whole set. You right. know what I mean? So, but yeah, I remember that. Right, right. So, um, but as my friend, uh, 
my friend Andy was saying he had tweeted out about it and he said, you know, he's toys and like he's he's a West Coast guy. He's in the same junk that we're all into as well. Um, he said he didn't even know he didn't get a kid kids meal. He saw like the advertising for it. And he said the woman in the red at the uh, drive through just like threw like a handful of them at him and said, here, just take them. Right, you know, they're so, trying to give them away. I don't know. Like, if you have a Wendy's in your area and they haven't screwed up your Baconator lately, um, just go and, and ask for these. You might get them for free. There you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll look at the, at the you know, I'll look around and see if I can find you a yellow Sinestro or I'll paint one for you. No, it's not the same. Only if you it's use not- a lead-based paint, that being uh, said. So you can eat the chips, guys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So, speaking of eating the chips, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> again, yeah. If there, like I'm, I I don't want to become the guy that saves and screenshots all of the Rob's Facebook posts. But here we are. But here we are. Mm-hmm. Um, so Wednesday night, he had tweet, he he had Facebooked out again. I don't know if he puts. A, let me see if he puts these things on Twitter because again, I was following the Rob on Twitter, but let's just say that the Rob is a um negative influence on my twitter because i'm on twitter all the time right i follow him but i have him muted Mm. so i could um see go to see it when i want to because he has his closed off i think remember when he he uh made his uh twitter private or he was threatening for years and then finally did it yeah i want to just throw out there that he says every episode of his podcast is the most listened to episode of the podcast well, it happens each time. Yeah. That one, the new one is the most, you know? Yeah. Makes sense. Has he ever lied? You can't spell, you know, life felt without lie, Joe. Yes. Uh, so this is not on his Twitter, but it's on his Facebook. He put, hey, y'all, uh, you are the first I'm informing of this upcoming opportunity. There's that word again. If all goes well, I'll give a sneak peek of a project I've been working on. I would ask that you give it all the support you could muster. That's all. Thank you in advance. Right. So what do you think this uh, thing that he's been working on is? I know it's not characters that he lost in, you know, legally. (laughs) Um, I I don't know. Probably some rehash of a future version of a Marvel character or somebody's son or daughter from the future from two random things. It's some character at Marvel from the future. That's all. It's I was going to say, it's definitely not anything at DC. Mm hmm. I don't think it's going to be anything at image like, you know, we joke and say with any of his old characters, but I don't think it's going to be anything like that. Right. Um, I think you're leaning the right way that it's going to be just it's going to be just another rehash retread. Um, Now, again, the timeline I got to think about, um, but I could definitely see him doing um, like a revisiting of the Heroes Reborn stuff. Yeah, there's been a push on that lately. So. Like, because I know he had done it once before. They did one with the Rob for like the fifth or the tenth anniversary, right? And you know, we wouldn't be coming up on the thirtieth anniversary of that for like another two years. But sometimes when you're the Rob, you need a lot of lead time. What and a lot of anchors. Yes, he all the anchors he's ever wanted to work with on one book, Joe. Yes. Um, 
And then uh, I'll just throw this out literally as we're recording this. Oh, boy. <laughs> unrelated to the Rob, but related to Salty Keith. Yeah, I saw that. I was... <laughs> go ahead. I told them I was sick. Anything not to go to New York Comic Con. Thanks. <laughs> and then he puts 1952 to 2023. Bwahaha. Oh boy, don't 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 even joke. You know. Uh, listen, he's a, he's a he's a he's a he's a joke he's a jokester. That one, you know. Right. Uh, he's a national treasure, Joe. And I don't Certainly want anything is. to happen to Salty Keith. So yes. Who knows? He might. He might. Might have. Might have. Might have. Uh, will show up because he lives in New York. So, or did yeah. he move? No. Remember, he moved. I think he moved in with the uh, son-in-law who was doing the podcast that there hasn't been an episode of in months. Right. The only podcast that I listen to, and it hasn't <laughs> makes my podcast findings and listenings very easy, Joe. The but, only. Uh, the only podcast that you listen to in full. That is true. That is true. <laughs> I've, I've. I've heard clips of other shows. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so I, I, you know, maybe he is down in Florida or whatever, but hopefully the podcast will be back soon. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, I know a convention he won't be at is the convention that's happening as you're listening this weekend, right? Which is Dallas Fan Fest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a fan expo convention. And it's weird because, like, the last, like, two fan expo conventions had the expo branding out of their name. I don't know if they're trying to go away from that. Well, they only have one that makes money, Joe. (laughs) Well, this one definitely is a smaller one. Um, You know, not a ton of big name folks. Tony Harris and Jeremy Adams on the comic creator side. Mm-hmm. And on the me- on the notable media guest side, uh, Tony Danza and Jamie Farr are going to be there. Right. You're going to go ask him about Pacos? Tony, pa- Tony Pacos, yeah. Right. I want to talk to Tony Danza and ask him what Judith, Judith Light smells like. Oh, my God. <laughs> but, like, you know, like, uh, Paul Bettany is going to be there, Andy Serkis. You know, the guy who played Ezra on Ahsoka, you know, people like that. Oh, I thought but, you were going to say Ezra Miller is going to be there. No. I was going to say call in the SWAT team, but anyway. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't think he's I don't think he's allowed in public at this time. Right. Uh, but the link uh, to the information about this and uh, the other uh, stuff is going to be in soon to be or it's uh in the show notes, soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Anytime any of the shows go live, uh, you can, of course, find them at the individual podcatchers, uh, individual websites, of course. But you can all find them in one stop shop at soon to be named network.com. Uh, a lot of the stuff that I pull for those is off the RSS feed. So if you're trying to find your one of the soon to be named network shows on your favorite podcatcher and it's not there, you can grab the RSS feed from there. And go. I think I forgot to do all the shows last night, but let me go through them now. Of course, this show, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, We Need Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, Wings on Wings, Hayabusi, allegedly a No Chance in Helmet is going to come out before the Super Bowl? Allegedly. Allegedly. I could say this because Marcus doesn't listen to this show. True. Right. Uh, but you could also get uh, information about our other friends and the stuff that they're in and about and around uh, the internet. Go check out our friend Mike Sterling's blog at progressiveruin.com. Go check out our friend Kevin's blog at hellionsteam.com. 
Uh, go check out the aforementioned Rick Williams Chop Shop at freekaratechops.storeenvy.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Sandberg's self-published Jupiter, number one, is still available on his Indiegogo. Chris Runs self-published Battle Monsters, number one, is still available at his site, fortressofcomicnews.com. Uh, our friend Dave of the band Cave People and Rose Sovia have their self-published comic that you could find at keepercomic.bigcartel.com. And of course, if you do not have a comic book store in your area or you do not have a good comic book store in your area, let our store be your store. Comics on the Grain. I have a Facebook page linked up here. Uh, you can find out when the books are coming in on a Tuesday and Wednesday because there's two shipping dates these days. You can find out if there's delays. You can find out about pre-orders. You can find out about final order cutoff dates. And you can also sign up for the mail order subscription service, get your books mailed to you weekly, bi-weekly, or monthly. And if you do, there's a chance that you could get a sketch on the package from our good friend Becky. I have her social media linked up here as well. And I got to talk to Becky. And the wheels are moving on an <laughs> upcoming segment that's going to be on this show. Right. I'm going to see if I can come up with a name between right, now and then. Right, come up with a name. And this is one that I'm, I want to make this special. Uh, once we get a name and the name is approved, I am reaching out to Shoozy to commission a jingle. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Oh, my God. We're going to d- dig deep into the coffers, Joe? Yes. Oh, deep. Right. He, he, I'm going to give him all of the eBay money for the year. How about that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, such opulence, Joe. <laughs> Uh, but no, I mentioned it to her today. I talked it up. We had, and again, I'm, I'm being vague because I don't want to spoil it. Right. Um, but if you miss my friend Jenda's The Mutant Minute from like three or four years ago, mm-hmm. uh, this is the next logical step. <laughs> right. This is that on steroids. Oh, oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. So let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Where would you like to begin? Uh, I'm going to start with the book I was looking forward to most, which is Wesley Dodd's The Sandman, number one, written by Robert Venditti, art by Riley Rosmo. Um, basically starts out with, you know, Sandman, Wesley Dodd's doing his thing, taking down a criminal with his with his gas gun. Um, you know, it ends up getting him to, like, spill his guts. Uh, and he starts after that, he starts talking about his motivations and his things like he's, he has these dreams. He dreams about these people in bright costumes, which is obviously the JSA. But so it establishes that he we haven't really had the group come together yet kind of a deal. And uh, he talks about like when he was younger, like the the nightmares he had because his father would tell him about the Great War and, the, you know, the, the mustard gas and everything like that. So it's like laying the foundation for for what he does. Um, and then we get his home life where he is, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, he has a butler. He has his own, like, uh, Alfred. And he's discussing stuff with him about, like, how he created the, the, the gas and how, trial and error and the horrific things that he found out along the way. And he keeps them, you know, in his Sandman cave in a, in a journal. And I hope nothing happens to that journal, Joe. Oh, boy. Right. So we, we end up meeting, uh, Diane, his, uh, his love interest. And, uh, See, he had, I, I always said Diane. Um, I ended up looking it up cause it, 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 it I've heard Diane, Diane, Diane Cannon. 
You know what I mean? It's Dian. I, I don't know. And I looked up a pronunciation for it, and that's what I came up with. But I know I'm going to slip into Diane. Um, so I don't know. I whatever way you want to go. Um, so he ends up telling her that he has, you know, maybe some redemption and he's got a, a, a business meeting with the government and he ends up trying to talk them into using his, his sleeping gas, you know, as a, a way of not killing people in wars. And of course that goes over really well. And I do like the discussion from the general who, uh, is saying like, why, that wouldn't be good. And it's some logistical reasons and some just, oh, we want to kill, kill, kill. Um, so he's disheartened and he ends up going to a party with uh, Diane, Diane and uh, things maybe go wrong from there at his home and he has to rush home and figure out. And maybe I've kind of given you a little foreshadowing of what's happened. But uh, I, I really enjoyed this, especially since we'll be reading a little bit of talking about some Sandman stuff in a minute with him. Um, my only problem with the book was reading the little bits of uh, Sandman that I did from Vertigo back in the day and then rereading this. This brightly colored Wesley Dot kind of throws me off a bit, if that uh, makes any sense. So like, I want to mention, I want to talk about that actually a little bit. So the artist Riley uh, Rosmo is someone I've seen before, mm-hmm. right? But especially in the first couple pages of this, the layout of those panels mm-hmm. and like the way that everything kind of wraps together, I thought was amazing layout work. Oh, it like, is. Just, it is. Just second to none stuff. Mm-hmm. But I, I kind of just like I said, when, he, when we get in his everyday life, I don't know. It's just like brightly lit for me because there's another Sandman moment where he's in an alleyway um, helping someone. And that that kind of reminds me of. But that's it. That, that's the only nitpick that I really have on the whole story. So, right. So I, I enjoyed this. And again, if I have a nitpick and I understand why they did it, uh, put that in there, you know, they kind of lead a lot of you know what the basis for wesley dodds to become a crime fighter it's not technically a superhero they tie it into world war one as opposed to tying it into vertigo sandman right which is interesting yeah. i wonder if any of it will come up because he does talk about it's the nightmare he has of the father telling him about World War One. So it's not over yet. Maybe there's a chance. But, uh, yeah, it's not tied in the way uh, we'll be discussing in a little while. So, Right. Um, and, again, of course, you know, it's building to the JSA. And there's, like, three other ongoings that are coming out this month. Um, the, the Wesley Dodds one, the Jay Garrick one, and the Alan Scott one, of course – different creative teams, but I have a feeling that they're all going to, you know, kind of intersect with each other at some point. They're going to bottleneck. Cause at one point, like Rex Tyler shows up in this. Yes. So that was the at- other thing that I was going to, uh, was going to mention is, you know, you mentioned Wesley Dodds is like, well, listen, I have all this information all these experiments that I've done to create the different types of gases that I use. He tries to sell them to the government as non-lethal warfare. They tell him to hit the bricks he goes out to the high society ball with Diane and he bumps into Rex Tyler. Mm-hmm. They have um, science in common. Yes. So that's really cool that like essentially they're mortals that are going to be interacting with super mortals very near future. But this was like a cool little nod to that sort of thing as you know, whether we see Rex again or Rex ends up being the through line through issue one. 
of these three new ongoings that DC is putting out of the uh, Golden Age characters. And of course, Todd intimated, don't want to give out too many spoilers, of course, but Wesley Dodds has all of his stuff uh, in a notebook that he puts in a drawer, and he laments to his butler saying that maybe I should just cement this whole area off. Um, what good is it done? But too little, too late, let's say. Right. Uh, but I really like this. This was a uh, a very fun uh, book, a very easy, like you don't need a ton of... And that's, I think a lot of times these characters seem uh, impenetrable by other folks because you feel as though you have to have this huge sweeping knowledge of the golden age of DC, and you really don't. Right. They give you everything that you need to know in this. Right. Um, as opposed to maybe too much in the next book. Okay, well, so again, you're definitely going to come from this uh, from a different angle than I do, of course. Uh, right. The other book, the one that I was looking forward to from this past week, was Superior Spider-Man Returns. Uh, framing sequence is in current day, uh, I'm sorry, written by Dan Slott uh, and uh, Christos Gage, with art by a bunch of different folks who did the runs on Superior Spider-Man over the time uh, and again, to feel old, Todd, this issue is commemorating the 10-year anniversary of the Superior Spider-Man story arc. Ugh, don't get me started. Oh, and I'm old, Todd. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, so, like I said, this is spinning out of the events of Amazing Spider-Man, and it's going to be its own ongoing series. Um, I could give the spoiler that Doc Ock at the end of this issue does not become the Superior Spider-Man again. Right. But he's definitely attempting to relive some of that past in that he's trying to remember an experiment that he did by this giant dodecahedron that's in one of his lairs on Oscorp's grounds. And he's talking about his time as the spider is like spotty at best. He, he remembers stuff that he did, but not clearly. Uh, but then the middle section of this story is an adventure that was untold that is him remembering what is in the dodecahedron. And it's fun because we get some Spidey Mort characters like Slide. And one of my favorite things about Superior Spider-Man was always Doc Ock is a sleazebag. He's a bad person. But he decides that he could his motivation is to be a better Spider-Man than Spider-Man. Mm -hmm. that's really his only motivation. And this story points out so many times what a bad person he is. Um, yep. And this was something that he would do regularly. Like he would, he would collar a fence, you know, take someone down and it's like, Oh, well, whatever they were stolen has gone missing or they must've stashed it somewhere before I got a chance to get my hands on them. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just so happens that slide was stealing $30 million worth of, Tritinium, which Doc Ock took to create a miniature star. And he did take on a, I guess you could say an intern, a young lady by the name of Estrella Lopez. And the story is more or less them working together and Doc Ock being a jerk and treating her just like the rest of his minions. There's a good bit where they're working in the lab together and she's like in a lab coat and everything. And then he makes her dress into like his minions outfits. Mm -hmm. And she's just like, yeah, I felt a little bit more dignified when I was wearing a lab coat doing this stuff, you know? Right. 
Um, but of course, you know, she's jilted because he just like right in front of her lifts her idea on how to make the miniature star work. Uh, he goes out to celebrate at Tavern on the Green, which was a fun bit as well during that run, because Tavern on the Green in, you know, 2013 to 2023 ain't what it used to be from the 80s. Right. But because Doc Ock is like an old man, it still means something to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, as someone who's aware of that through like New York pop culture, I thought that was a fun bit to revisit. Um, and then, of course, Estrella uses the power of the miniature star to try to fight uh, uh, Superior Spider-Man, Doc Ock, and the Spider-Man body. Um, he entraps her in this dodecahedron, and that's how everything comes full circle. He's able to figure out how to open it up. She gets out and, again, comes face to face with her captor and tormentor, or does she? Right. <laughs> Um, okay, there are a lot of beats in this I really liked um, because I do, like, you know, I get it. Um, I, I, I was in on the Superior Spider-Man train early on, and then I kind of tapped out of it because, like, I, I stand by. I thought it went on a little too long. Um, and all this stuff, when I started to understand things, um, worked a little better because I don't think they hit on why uh, – uh, Otto can't remember what he needs to remember, if that makes any sense. He's like, oh, I can remember this vaguely. And I'm like, was it a Mephisto thing? I don't I don't remember. But uh, that kind of stuff was throwing me off. But the bits like uh, that I like are some of the fun stuff. And with the villain, when he begs off as Otto, uh, but he, he doesn't realize he doesn't have to, I thought that was a great bit. Um, but that being said, I thought a lot of the beginning which is in character was like like very wordy and blowhardy and after a while i was like could we consolidate this just a little bit for somebody who's new there's a lot of information here and i was a bit overwhelmed but once i got past that i i enjoyed the uh flashback to superior spider-man gotcha so interesting well, again, like I said, you know, this is my wheelhouse. This is the stuff that I'm predisposed to like, so I get right. you. No, I get you. Uh, so that's what we read from this past week. Um, if you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am currently in the lead over Todd with two correct guesses. Mm-hmm. And since I started, I go first. I'm looking at your list. And is the book you're looking forward to most Sensational She-Hulk number one? It is Sensational She-Hulk number one. Yes. Yay, um, I didn't lose any ground. <laughs> well, let's see. I'm looking at your list. Again, don't want to hype this one up too, too much, you know? Right. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that um, very much so. I'm going to guess, and again, there's a couple oddballs. I'm between X. I don't want to say what that number is. Um... Who is the writer on the Jay Garrick Flash book? 
Uh, one second. Not to put you on the spot, but it's not like I can go to DC's website and find that information. Um, the writer on the book is Jeremy Adams. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to take a swing and say the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is the Justice League versus Godzilla and King Kong thing. You are wrong. You were sniffing up the right tree the first time. The Jay Garrick book? Jay Garrick, because uh, Jeremy Adams, I really like him as a Flash writer, and he did that story in the... 800 that you loved yes um and uh i have been poo-pooing a little bit the fact that he has a daughter but the jay garrick i'm a like jay garrick is the second best flash ever yeah you're not wrong Mm -hmm. and in case you were wondering it's wally for number yeah wally of course number one yep all right well back to uh back to one yep and well, uh, no, just so you know, uh, you're you're up. Okay, yeah, yeah. Right. You know who's going to do some fill-in work for uh, Justice League versus Godzilla? Uh, I would guess uh, someone that you were at New York Comic Con with this weekend. Yep, the definitive Colonel Sanders artist is doing uh, a lot of the monster stuff. He he gets to do. So I don't know when and where because I've told him to keep it away from me. So uh, I'll look at it after I read the issues. But I just thought that was cool. So right, you don't need the temptation, even though you are out of the original art game. You know. No, I just mean it gives spoilers. Like, he's too much uh-huh. ahead in the book. You know? it would be like, oh, this is when Godzilla kills Superman. I'm like, oh. I have a feeling Godzilla's not going to kill Superman in this book, Todd. You Hold don't on. know. I don't, but I let's call it a feeling, right? Right. I mean, it's not like he's he's fighting Charles Barkley. Come on. Exactly. That's, that's just ridiculous. Yes, it is. Uh, so while you're over at uh, longboxheroes.com, of course, uh, you can check out past episodes of this show, past episodes of After Dark, and you can check out the current ongoing Todd and Joe Have Issues. We are done with the main Sandman book. Now we're starting to get into, so, like the I don't want to say the leftovers, but everything that comes after issue 75. Right. And that should take us until the end of the year, almost like I planned it that way. Wow, you're good at that. Or I tried to. Mm-hmm. I still will never forgive myself for that one week where I screwed things up. You were so hot about that, Joe. I, I was. I was. I, I couldn't still... even talk to you. I was like, I, let's just stop the show, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to sleep. So I, I was inconsolable. That's about the way I felt when I didn't watch Loki. Just so you know. Oh, okay. But uh, so this, uh, this week it's Sandman Midnight Theater. Yes. Uh, with both written by both uh, Neil Gaiman and Matt Wagner, they have written by Neil Gaiman, plotted by Matt Wagner, but from a story by both of them, and painted by Teddy Christensen. That's uh, how I'd pronounce it. Right, beautiful, beautiful painted art. Yes. Uh, is this the part where you sit back and just say, "Yeah, yeah"? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll chime in where I got to chime in. Right. Though I will say I'm not as versed on this as we get further like we're getting into the stuff i read the least because as we get closer to now i haven't read things like 10 or 13 times um but this is one of the books that i only read maybe once back in the day and then put away so um this one is like super fresh to me yeah um so it takes place obviously between uh the two world wars around 1939 and wesley's having dreams of this person who doesn't know who it is, but as the reader, we know that it's the Burgess, um, and he's captured 
Morpheus, and we kind of get bits of that. But like we said, he's not uh, sure what it is. Um, and because he's having that dream, he's running late for a meeting with an old friend. He ends up showing up to the meeting and apologizing, and they have some some fun dialogue in here. And they do uh, one of Joe's favorite potato jokes, but they use London instead. Oh. So I found, I found that amusing. Um, and, you know, basically it's just some chit-chat. But then they, uh, the guy he's visiting gets a note under the door, and Wesley's like, I'll grab it. And he tries to grab it and has this weird uh, emblem on it. And the guy's just like, his face is shocked and he's like well i'll talk to you later you have to go and he opens up the the letter and it has photos of him in compromising positions and he ends up throwing the 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 letter and the the pictures into the fire um and he goes into his bathroom while wesley's watching through the window because he knew something was up uh as the sandman and he's watching him and he ends up picking up the radio and getting in the tub and dropping it to, to you know, to, to take his life. And there's a bit, because I, I was kind of wondering why I was watching, but there's a bit where you see uh, Wesley Dod, uh, Dodd's a great picture of him wide-eyed. Like, if I had known this was going to happen, I would have been in there sooner. And he goes in, and he ends up checking the pulse, and it doesn't work. He's gone. And he ends up saving from the fire a postmark and the symbol. And that that that's all that was on the letter. And it says London. So it takes him you know, off to London, he's on the steam ship and the train there. And he's thinking about all the things that like he's seen in movies and books about London, which aren't going to be true kind of a deal, which is kind of funny. And along the way, he's reading the paper, looking for clues to anything with the three letters that were on the symbol, which was, uh, a O and S I think I can't remember off the top of my head. Right, He was looking for any combination of them together, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And he's reading about uh, uh, a thief uh, who's been on a crime spree uh, with who drops his signature cannon card at the at the at the crime scenes. Um, so, you know, we see him traveling and then we cut to uh, Diane, who's uh, living in London now, which was apparently what was going on in the book. I didn't re remember Sandman Mystery Theater, but she left Wesley for a bit to go find herself, apparently. Right, I forget where this fits into the Sandman mystery theater stuff. I was, I wish I wrote it down. I was around, somebody had on one of their websites as I was studying this, had the exact issues where this could kind of happen. You know what I mean? It was around the 28 or something like that, maybe? I'm sure if I went, I grabbed, um, you know, if I went through my box of Sandman mystery theaters, it, this issue would be in there with that. Right. Um, so she's working at a, uh, like a, what would you call it? Like a, a church, but like a soup with, kitchen, sort of soup thing. kitchen. That's what it is. And her friend, uh, Annabelle, who's kind of like a hoity toity, uh, person, we meet them and they're, they're walking to the soup kitchen and she's working there and Wesley shows up to talk to Diane and it doesn't go over well because she's like, I kind of wanted to get away from you and all the, the stuff she takes them in to the Vickers like private room and like kind of chastises him a little bit. Um, like trying to get away from his Sandman persona. Um, and that's when the Vicar kind of 
uh, walks in and we find out that he likes to be called Bagsy instead of like his, his proper name. Um, and he asks what Wesley Dodds is doing here. And he says, he hopes it's like all the stuff in the, in the thirties, like prohibition and gangsters. And he's like, that's all this stuff. Don't believe any of that. That's all stuff you read in books and, and see in movies, which I think is a nice flip from the way he sees London. Um, so he ends up going to like leave the room like with uh, with uh, Diane, but he ends up asking if he knows anything, the vicar, if he knows anything about the uh, OAM. And he's like, oh, it's a design. These people uh, are a group and they have these uh, these tomes that I kind of want to see. Um, and they have these parties and stuff like that. So he kind of gives them some information on it. Um, they go and. Uh, Diane and basically choose Wesley out a little bit more thinking that he's, she, he's just stalking her. He's like, no, no, my, my, you know, I'm following this. He explains the death of his friend and everything. Um, she, she basically asks up where you're staying and he says, you know, here and I've missed you. And she's like, I missed you too. Um, cut to more of the dream of like, you know, the Sandman, uh, Morpheus version looking at Berg, uh, the Burgess, but it's still through, uh, you know, Wesley Dodd's dreams. Um, and I love the art on it because he looks like they keep calling him the spider and stuff like that because he has Morpheus in his web. Um, and once again, Wesley doesn't know uh, who he is. Um, we cut to Wesley and Diane. They've had, you know, they've spent the night together. There you go. And when she's done, she says, listen, I'm not going to lie. Things are complicated between us, but I do not want to see you again. Like this happened, but uh, I don't want to see you for the rest of your trip to London. And he's like, okay, um, I love you. She's like, I know, I know. But, you know, so now we cut to uh, the Burgess's mansion and his son, Alex, is there talking to uh, this uh, assistant called Brown. Um and he basically is like Brown's talking about the the bash tonight, and I like the fact that uh, Alex says we don't have bashes, we have revels. Um, but just like go do what you're doing and send out all the invitations. And he's kind of thinking about his life and the secret stuff that we know about Alex. Like he hopes Brown doesn't find out because that would be another reason that he wouldn't like him because Brown isn't a nice man, kind of a deal. Um, cut to Scotland Yard where, uh, for some reason, uh, Sandman is breaking in and he ends up finding a name, which is called Arthur Stubbs. Um, and then we see like a collage of all the people who get the invitation for the revels, uh, from the Burgess. And, you know, I'm not going to go through them all. The only one that we know is Annabella Forbes. Uh, the lady Annabella, uh, has got one and she begins to cry. And that's the girl that Diane is working with at the soup kitchen. Yes. Now, this one kind of confuses me. Who do you think is having this dream of the spider, the raven, and then Sandman taking off the helm uh, with Wesley's face? It confused me because I always felt Wesley was having these dreams, but it seems to be uh, Diane having this dream, or is it just me? So, again, I... It, I, I think it's open for interpretation because, you know, obviously there's the line in there um, where it's Morpheus, as we know him with the helm, but when he takes the helm off, it's Wesley. And in that person's dialogue, it says, when that mask is removed, I do not know him. So you would right. think that Diane would recognize Wesley in her dream? 
Yeah, but you never know. Maybe she's saying in her dream she doesn't recognize him. I don't know. But then when we cut to the... Um, right. It, it definitely feels like it's supposed to be Diane. You know who it is now that I read this? Hmm. That's like written in a certain font. Um, it's... Uh, oh, no, it, it's her because it kind of says I wake up yeah. and the cabbie's telling me this and she goes into the house. So I'm I'm guessing it's Diane. But it, yeah, it, she it, fell I, asleep in the cab right over. And that's what she has. So she ends up talking with Annabelle and Annabelle is completely distraught. And she's like, what? And she basically says she got this in the invitation and she's being blackmailed by things she did years ago before she met her husband. And they have pictures and she's been paying them. And now she has to, to go to this party. And, um, she says, well, I'll go with you. I'll be, you know, I'll be, I'll be your plus one and we'll find all this stuff and we'll take it off them. And nobody will know about this. It's a really bad plan by Diane, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of going to happen. Um, so now we get to this apartment of the man that uh, Sandman found the name at uh, Scotland Yard, and he's dead. He's been shot. Um, In a pretty they, grisly scene. Yep. Ver- that's very Vertigo right there. Um, it almost reminds me of, do you remember when in, in Spider-Man, when it was done by Todd McFarlane, when they had the Craven first story and Craven was walking around missing a part of his, his body because of the gunshot. Yes. I don't know, it just reminds me of that, that thing, which that panel has always stuck with me to this day. Say what you want about Todd McFarlane, you know? Um, but you know, uh, Wesley's doing his Sandman shtick and he's getting clues and he ends up finding, uh, that the safe was cleaned out because there's two cops talking, you know, uh, in, in the room and that the safe's been cleaned out and it's probably the cannon, but they're like, do you think he would shoot him? And it's like, that's not his style. I don't think it was him. I think he just showed up, cleaned out the safe. Um, and, but he has nothing to do with it. So, uh, Basically, uh, now as Wesley, he goes and he finds, he tells Diane somehow to meet him and she shows up and he's like talking to her, whom Stubbs was. Stubbs was the liaison between the Burgess and Scotland Yard and he's been eliminated. So he, he can't follow that trail, but there are other trails that he followed because he took something from uh, that man's apartment. And she's like, okay. But I, I'm going to go because she, she has more problems like with the Sandman stuff and him talking in third person. Um, so now it's the day of the big soiree and Annabelle and Diane are there. And uh, Diane says she can kind of handle this alone if you want to go off on your own. And I brought a gun. So in case anything goes sideways and I like the bits with Annabelle, like lamenting the stuff that she, she just wants to be alone with her thoughts, thinking about the man from years ago, even though she wants, you know, kind of nothing to do with it. Uh, but there's still a little bit of that, like longing for the old days. Um, so they go to the party and the party's long and drawn out. I'm not going to hit all the people that are there. We see the invitations go, but they're all the worst of the worst people that you're ever going to meet. Like from doc, the, the creepy doctor that they meet to the actor who's ashamed of, you know, his religion. And it's just a very, very weird party. Um, and Wesley shows up. And once again, Diane goes crazy. She's like, you're just following me at this point. He's like, no, no, I swear. Um, I stole an invitation from Stubbs 
that's what he took. Um, and that's why I'm here. Um, and he's like, we'll go our separate ways kind of a deal. Uh, and Bagsy shows up, the vicar, which is, you know, kind of weird. I'm not sure if they mentioned that he had an invitation in the beginning, but he always wanted to, to kind of come here. Um, after the nights of, you know, stuff that happens, the party, they say, everybody go to sleep because uh, weird things happen here at night. And all the people who got, you know, invitations end up having weird dreams about what their worst fears are and stuff like that. And it coincides to all the things that we see them talking about uh, throughout the party. So now it's Diane's turn to, to, to make her move. And she's clopping around like a horse, making noise, and she's even talking about it. And she ends up running into Sandman, Wesley Dodds. She's like, how do you do that? How do you not make a sound? And he's like, kind of like, you know, doesn't say anything about it. And she says, well, why she's here? She's looking for stuff for Annabelle and, you know, the page. she's been blackmailed. And he's like, oh, just, just go back to your room and I'll try and come across the stuff. She's like, can you crack a safe? He's like, yeah, I can. Like you're not going to crack a safe kind of deal, but she thinks she can. Um, so they kind of go off. She keeps going around and he says, do not get caught. It will be bad. So she ends up finding a, a room and he says, I'm going down into the wine cellar. I wonder what's in the wine cellar, Joe. Oh um, boy. Right. So, and then she ends up following the vicar who's, you know, easily finding trap doors and stuff. Uh, and he ends up grabbing her and you think uh, that she, you know, she's in danger. And now in the coolest part of the book, and it's my favorite part because it, as I talked about very bright Sandman stuff, this is uh, Midnight Theater. This is where it should be bright, where he meets Morpheus trapped in his cage and he sees him. And that's such a cool shot of, we don't get much of it, but Morpheus and Wesley together, the two faces and then them staring each other down. Absolutely love this. And he says, oh, I know you. You're, there's some of me in you. That mustn't be easy. That's that's bad. So I, you better just forget. There's nothing you can do. And he just kind of wanders off. And that's pretty much all of the Morpheus stuff that we get in this. Yep, book. literally two pages. Yep. It's enough for me, though. It is. Um, so now Diane basically threatens the vicar saying like, I have a gun and you're the blackmailer." He's like, I'm not the blackmailer. Do I look like a blackmailer? And she's like, no, you look like a cat burglar. And he's like, yeah, that's kind of what I am. So right now, if you haven't figured out that he's the canon, um, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. So, I'll, and she says, I have that gun still. So don't make me use it on a friend. Um, and that's when the bird just busts in the old man he's all like ah mad and stuff he's like what are you doing here he's like we're here to stop you from blackmailing our friends he's like i haven't blackmailed in years my my order has no need to blackmail and that's when uh brown his assistant comes in and says you have been it's been me and i've been doing it you know and he says like all the all the money um and he's like it's time for you to kind of kind of go and he ends up uh you know preparing to, to kill them and uh, Wesley shows up with his gas gun and Burgess stops him with either magic or cheap parlor tricks. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but Brown goes to shoot uh, Wesley and Diane shoots him before she can. 
but uh, he leaves as uh, Wesley's trying to use the gas gun again through apparently a trap door. But he gave all the information to Diane before they leave in that classic villain trope. And she tells Wesley where to go find him at the train station. At that point, uh, Bagsy's like, oh, well, there's a lot of money here. And then, you know, people are asleep. Why don't we just take it? He leaves the cannon card. He's like, this will go well for the roof on the you know the church and the 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 the, the soup kitchen and all that and yes i am the canon i've been funding the soup kitchen through my my cat burglary stuff um so wesley chases down uh brown catches him at the uh train station but before wesley can get to him the burgess has apparently done some magic and put the the hoodoo on brown and now he's like crazy and uh has white hair, um, which is kind of, which is a great crazy look in the art. Um, now it's time to, for Wesley to go home, and we find out that Diane has decided to go back with him, and they kind of talk about uh, like why, and it's like sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. And she says, was the trip enough? And she says, well, I got justice for my friend, and that's enough for the Sandman. Um, she's like, you know, you're talking in third person again. <laughs> Um, and it's like the, the voyage home. And then we get on the voyage home, um, Wesley dreaming of the spider and he puts it all together that it's the Burgess. It's Morpheus. He's trapped. Like what Burgess is trying to do. And he's like, but it makes me happy that at least in this dream, I understand what's going on. Cause I'm connected to this creature, but I know when I wake, it'll all be gone. Um, and the dream will be over. And that's kind of how the book ends. So rereading this, and we'll get into this with next week's as well. Um, but when this stuff was coming out, and I did look it up, that this issue takes place in between issues thirty six and thirty seven okay. of Sandman Mystery Theater. Yes, um, that this was a time where like my comic book reading had like absolutely ramped up. I'm out of high school. I've got like a steady job. Um, that pays well, and most of my money was going to comics. So I was buying this stuff, but a lot of times I was only reading it one time, you know? Mm -hmm. Or maybe twice, but that's two times that I've read something in the last, you know, 27 years, as opposed to stuff like the mainline Sandman book that maybe in the last 30 years I've read, like, five or six or seven times. Mm -hmm. uh, this should have been a miniseries. Right. Or this should have been a 48 pager as opposed to whatever it was like 60 plus. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I, I get what they were trying to do in, you know, introducing you to people throughout the course of this um, and how being at the Burgess's home with Morpheus there was going to affect them. Um, and at least we have some sort of tie to who these people are. I don't remember if these were people that end up showing up later in Sandman Mystery Theater or not, but we get so many people introduced into this just for that payoff bit with everyone having the funky dreams. Mm -hmm. Like I said, this either should have been edited down to 48 pages or as it was a three issue miniseries. Right. Um, I'm with you. I'm with you. I enjoyed I, it, but I, it was I, just I, a lot. I did too, and I didn't read as much Sandman Mystery. Like I have, like I had maybe the first year, and then I had to cut some stuff. Mm -hmm. And Sandman Mystery Theater kind of went to 
uh, that. So like I'm with you, but this was more when I, I had to buy it back in the day because it was had Neil Gaiman and Morpheus in it. So exactly, that's, that's what it comes to. So. What do we have next week, then, Joe? So next week we have the first two issues of the other Death miniseries, the one that most people don't talk about, um, Death, the Time of Your Life. Right. It's Neil Gaiman. It's Chris Bacallo. Bacallo is, as, as this book comes out, a megastar, as opposed to just a superstar comic book person. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably what I read once back when it first came out, and that was it. Right. Um, I have to say this that has nothing to do with the comics. Um, it's something we reported earlier in the show. Like, Bleeding Cool's reporting that Salty Keith is has passed away. I, I just got a text about it. From DJ. So I yes. don't know what's going on, like, if it's true or not. Um... His Facebook page is just all industry people um, wishing him well that he's passed. Right. So I I, I don't know, you know what I mean? Because I figured it kind of, it kind of sucked. Because like I took it as a joke as we, we definitely say earlier in the, the, the show, you know what I mean? He, but. He he is someone, you know, that would joke about it. Like, the podcast was named after him dying, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Jeez. Yeah, Keith Giffen, I'm Not Dead Yet is the name of the podcast. Right. Um, Paul Levitz has a thing up saying, uh, I've got an official word from the family that Keith has passed. Just unbelievable. Yeah, like, that's a gut punch for me, Joe. Like, I feel bad that we had, we, we we blew it off earlier, you know what I mean? As yeah, we got to leave it in because it's like, you know, obviously it's not going to be out for a week, but. Uh. Like, that is the. Fl- okay, because I, I, I to talk about it just a little bit. Like, you know, I've had people in the industry pass like Neil Adams and, you know, I'm like, we go down the list recently of a few big names, but of the ones that like are in my grail of comics. Wow. Like Keith is, is there for me. And I don't know that just, it's that, don't mind me. It's weird to have like to find out this way and we're live on the mic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, for sure, you know, um, and we were just, you know, talking about it on the most recent previewing the past as well with, you know, the Trencher Christmas special and all that sort of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Tough, man. Tough. Yeah. Well, let's, um, you know, kind of wrap this up here as well. You know, I mentioned the Patreon. I'm not going to give the full thing for the plugs and everything else like that, but, um, I don't know. You want to talk about Loki episode one? Sure. You want to get it out of the way? Yeah, sure. Season two, episode one. Um, they're claiming that it's the biggest, most watched debut on Disney Plus. Um, a lot of it is Loki being pulled through time. And right. the name of the episode is called Oboros, which is uh, the guy that lives in the mailroom. 
right? The guy, the actor who played Short Round, and he was in. Uh, yeah, I can't think of what the other movie was. Uh, the Goonies. Yeah, and Loki is time slipping. He keeps jumping forward and backwards in time. Uh, he bumps into Owen Wilson at a point where they have not met each other. Uh, I will say the scene where Loki is time jumping in the mailroom with Arboris mm-hmm. and giving him information in the past and that he's he remembering did not know it. at the time in the present. Mm-hmm. And then he's kind of like remembering in the present as the conversation is going on in the past. I thought was some brilliant stuff. That's, and I know you're going to laugh. That's some doctor who esque stuff for me. Sure. Like I, that's the bread and butter. And I was really enjoying that. And I think that's where uh, the actor like, like really strived in him remembering and doing bits going from the past to the present and the present and the past, you know? Yes. But to save Loki, to stop him from time jumping, um, Owen Wilson needed to take the temporal aura extractor, mm-hmm. shoot it into one of the branches then Loki had to prune himself from the timeline, which would be very painful, but not as painful as the time slipping. Also not as painful if they fail at their mission and Owen Wilson has his skin peeled off. Yes. Lots of bad possibilities. Yes. And all of it is because Evie, the female uh, Loki, is still out there. And... They don't know, like, they're aware, like, things are changing at the Time Bureau Mm -hmm. in regards to, um, they still don't call him Kang. They call him, he, what is it, he who shall not be named? He who remains. He who remains, that's what it is. So he who remains, but Loki knows that he's not a good guy to be in control, and that's part of why he's doing the way that he is. Evie gets away and she shows up at that McDonald's in 1982 that McDonald's did the um, the promotional tie in stuff with last month. Right. Um, Though the one thing that I kind of stands out for me is he has to prune himself and he doesn't have the, the like the pruning stick that they use and he runs into Evie and Evie's like, oh, like, hey, Loki. And then he gets pruned. Um, in the timeline, which ends up fixing everything, so now he's not time slipping. But I'm tr- I'm trying to figure out who did that, and I'm wondering if we're going to find out that Loki did it to himself or something. I don't know, but uh, there's a lot of mysteries, and I had a lot of fun with this episode, and I thought it was tense, and uh, it was I really liked the first episode. But I'm a time travel guy. So. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you know, obviously I kid you in regards to Doctor Who stuff, but. You know, when you have me watch get uh, Doctor Who stuff, I, I I enjoy it for the most part, right? And they do time travel where you can understand, like they they'll establish the rules as they go. You know what I mean? So you're not like, oh, I don't understand how all this works. Right. So it was so fun. yeah, it was a good episode. Like I said, sorry to kind of give it the short shrift, um, just because of the news that we're getting here, um. Yeah, um, so as I'm getting more information, the um, uh, apparently uh, Keith Giffen had a stroke on Sunday, passed away on Monday, and his last wish to his family was to put that post up on Facebook today. Well, good job, Mr. Giffen. You did it. Uh, you will be missed. 
a rib on all of us. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go, go with a smile, Joe. I guess. Man, like I said, you know, um, not much more else you could say. Like, literally a comic book legend. You know, it's, there's, I would say at least every other episode, um, the his run on Justice League International comes up on this show. Yep, some way, somehow, we yeah. equate other books to it. You know what I mean? Like, uh, a, a, Right, a character he uh, popularized, uh, a character that he gave a definitive voice to that may not have had a definitive voice to, you know, almost 30, 40 years ago, that still acts and sounds and looks the way that he did when Keith wrote him back in 1986 to 1991. Right. Um, you know, and obviously... Yeah, I don't know if I'm the one to kind of do this on the show for Keith Giffen, but man, man, yeah, and and uh, like to meet the guy, like, like I met him, and he was all we always joked that he was salty, but he was never like I met him a couple of times. There was the one time that things kind of went sideways, but I met him. I got a sketch from him. Um, uh, he he like recently putting out that post where he's with Dan Didio and he's like I will never smile in a picture and truer words I was like have never been spoken um, just the stuff that he did from DC to Marvel from doing all the Justice League stuff and the offshoots like he would do like Dr. Fate and Mr. Miracle with Jam and then go off to basically be- kickstart the cosmic, the Guardian of the Galaxy era over at Marvel by revamping Drax into kind of sort of the Drax that would not be the same one in the movie, but that would lead to the revamping of the Guardians of the Galaxy with Peter Quill and, you know, Gamora and all that. Like, just at two companies, and he's done more over at Marvel that I, I, I that is, is escaping me right now. So, like, I don't think Thanos ends up being the villain in the Marvel Cinematic Universe if Keith doesn't do Annihilation? Maybe, maybe. I'll give Jim more of that. Okay. I do definitely, I give him the footsteps beginning Annihilation to to re, to get that, to get that, uh, that Guardians of the Galaxy and that cosmic stuff, to put the fire back under it. Okay, and, and get it in the spotlight because it had been dead for years. You know what I mean, like a decade or two. Yeah, at least a, like the cosmic characters were there, but they were nothing for the better part of ten years because Quisada didn't like them. Yeah, and then somebody did, and it was huge. And then he kind of left that, and he was he was bopping around, you know, doing something always. Like he had the joke when I met him. He was like. Back in the 90s, if you saw my name as a writer on a book, something went horribly wrong because <laughs> I had to come in and mop, do mop-up duty. Like, that's why, like, because he's on that Emerald uh, Dawn first issue. Yeah. And he's like, I wasn't supposed to be. That's another one where something went horribly wrong and I had to come in and and do 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 uh, cleanup. And from his, like, his little projects from Vex, you remember Vex, right, Joe? I do. Uh, yeah, um, just like all this stuff, like I could go, I have so much Keith Giffen, Giffen stuff, it's ridiculous. And the fact that I will never get another book from the three again, the Holy Trinity, as far as I'm co- uh, concerned, of Keith, JM, and Kevin, I never want a Justice League International book again. 
You know what I mean? The time has passed. So I don't know. I've I've gone off too long. I'm sorry, Joe. Yeah, again, I can't imagine anyone touching those characters as a whole. You know, I think we had them in Tom King, but they were in the Tom King Human Target book. Right. But they were more or less supporting characters for everything that was going on. It was a black label book. You know, you can argue whether or not it counts or not. Um, but yeah, um, le- let leave the memories alone on this one. You know, yep. I totally agree. I totally. Yeah. Agree. All right. Well, like I said, you know, this is week old news by the time that you're listening to it. But you know, you're getting our real reactions to it throughout the course of the show, and. Uh, now get to hear me interview a potato, right? Uh, thanks for again. This is your full episode. Thanks for listening to uh, Longbox Heroes After Dark. Uh, this was episode six eighty for Todd. This is Joe uh, saying, "See you all here next week." Rest in power, Keith. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Who? Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. The Rob is a long box hero. The Rob is a long box hero. He gives us five five stars.